Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Good morning, Tassin. Welcome. Uh, good to see you uh, that are here physically. Uh, you could wave at me. It's so good to see you. Asante Nisana for coming. We are, of course, looking forward to seeing all of you watching us from home uh, next week. We are really excited that you can come back and we can worship together. Now, there's a pastor who was new in a church and he decided to take a walk uh, before the adult service began. And he went to the Sunday school classes. And when he was there, he was excited because when the teacher invited him, said, we have been doing a study on the book of Joshua. Please come and say hi to the Sunday school children. And the pastor was excited and happy and he went up front. And then he said, hi, good morning, children. Who can tell me who brought the walls of Jericho down? And the children were just looking around, looking at each other. And then one little young boy raised up his hand and said, Pastor, I am not the one who brought the walls down. And the pastor was so puzzled and confused. He looked at the teacher as if asking, uh, did you cover that chapter in class? Or did you, did you go through the book of Joshua? And the teacher looked at the pastor in a very strong affirmation, uh, saying, you know, if, if Johnny says he didn't bring down the walls of Jericho, I trust him. I trust Johnny. There's no way he can bring down a wall. And of course, the pastor was disappointed. And he, he left uh, time for the adult service was up. So he went to the main service then after the service, he actually had a meeting with the elders. And he shared his experience with the elders. And in that discussion, one of the elders said, uh, Pastor, you know, we, we can actually approve a budget so that we can rebuild that wall so that we are still at a very good standing in this community. And the pastor there again got really confused that uh, these people, this church that he had visited, didn't know or didn't understand the book of Joshua, even after they had gone through it in Sunday school. But I am sure all of you here know the book of Joshua. You know the story. And we will not be requesting our elders to allocate some money to be able to rebuild that wall. But allow me to turn to Joshua chapter 24. And we can read together. If you have your Bible, please turn to Joshua chapter 24. We'll read verse 1 through 15. Let's read together. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him through our Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. 
Verse 5, then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Balaam. So he blessed you again and again. And I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gigashites, Hevites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you lived in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, great historical members are remembered through great historical quotations. You may remember this. One um, guy, great guy, wrote and said, God writes the gospel not in the Bible alone, but also on trees and in the flowers and clouds and stars. Who can guess who did that quote? Any guess? Whatever you say is correct until I say otherwise. No? All right. I, I heard someone say Martin Luther. Correct. All right. Someone said, the time is always right to do what is right. Anyone? Any guess? No, no. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. All right. And then someone said there are opportunities even in the most difficult moments. This is Wangari Madai. Mwai Kibaki said, leadership is a privilege to better the lives of others. It is not an opportunity to satisfy personal greed. Someone said, yes, we can. Who said that? Oh, all of you know it. Barack Obama said that, yes, we can. And of course, you know this famous quote we just read about it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua. And what Joshua is doing here is making a declaration. But this morning, I want to propose three things. Three things that you can do to grow in your family or your family in fellowship in the Lord and with one another. 
I pray that you may see how you can end up agreeing with Joshua in saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The first proposition I make is make a declaration. Joshua here gives a picture of how one should take a stand in the family. The verse says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What a declaration. What's happening here is a man who is offering leadership and direction on how it got to be in his house. Now, here it's not a moment where it's for taking votes. It's for consulting on how or who they will serve. It was a declaration that Joshua was giving. Now, if you have studied the book of Joshua, you will realize that Joshua wasn't always a very strong leader. After Moses died, he was the guy to carry on in leading the Israelites into the promised land. He must have been afraid of what the Israelites would do to him because they had seen what they did to Moses, how they handled him. He must have been afraid of all the enemies that the Israelites had, that they would come and attack him. But God speaking to Joshua in Joshua 1, 6 says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. In Joshua 9, 1, 9 says, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.18 God says whoever rebels against your word, speaking to Joshua, and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now this statement, be strong and courageous, appears 25 times in the Bible. It appears four times in the book of Joshua. Three of those times, God is directly speaking to Joshua and encouraging him, telling, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. The fourth time that statement is used here, it's Joshua himself talking to the Israelites, saying, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you're going to fight. Joshua made a declaration that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He had confidence in the Lord on that he would be strong and courageous. Maybe you found yourself at that place as Joshua. When you are afraid, you are wondering how you will manage to pay school fees now that schools are reopening. You are wondering how you will be able to take care of that hospital bill. You are wondering, you know, you've been given new roles in your company, in your organization. And you are wondering, what will I do? How will I handle all these different people? Or your business has dwindled over the year. 
and you do not know how to move on going forward. I would say the same words Joshua said to the Israelites and the words that Joshua had received from the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Now I have heard of men who have become afraid of women because of their career advancement and achievements. I've heard that some men have lost their voice in their families and they cannot lead simply because their wife or the woman in that home brings more money to the family kitty. You could draw some encouragement from Joshua and make a declaration in your home. Make a stand in your family. Show the way. Show the way. Friends, I'm not talking of chauvinism or brutality, dictatorship or arrogance. I'm only speaking of men who know what and how it ought to be in their homes, in their families. Men who will stand in their families and say, this is what and how it's going to happen in this house. Now, I don't care whether everybody else have their rooms decorated with posters of naked women or your pop stars. That is them. In this house, that will not happen. We need people who can rise and say that. Now, I do not care what kind of movies your neighbor is watching as in this house, this is the kind of movies that will be watched. People who can stand and make a declaration on what they will stand for in their house. So maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm a woman. I've been in marriage with a man who hasn't given leadership and direction in this house, in this home. Or I am divorced. I am separated. I'm still um, a single lady. I am a single mom. What happens to me and my house? Maybe the story of Deborah and Barak can be an encouragement to you and you could pick a lesson there. The story of Deborah and Barak and their defeat of the Canaanites in the north can give you some inspiration as we find in the book of Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5. The story begins with Israel's apostasy results in their being handed over to Jabin, king of Canaan, who oppressed them for 20 years under Sisera until the people cried out to God. Now, as long as the people obeyed God, there was progress toward the consolidation of the promised land. But when they disobeyed, that progress was stopped and Israel was subjected to tyranny. Deborah, a prophet acting on the word of the Lord, summoned Barak to lead an army against the Canaanites at Mount Tabor. Barak was afraid and refused to go until Deborah demonstrated her courage and faith by unhesitatingly agreeing to accompany him as they delivered Israel from oppression. Do not be afraid. Become a Deborah in your family. Act on the word of the Lord. Raise a team that will win over the enemies. Step up. Step up. Create a winning team in your home. 
I know, I saw on the charts, you know, on your, on your charts, some of the things that you are doing as a family. Some of you eat together. Some of you pray together. Some of you come or go to church together. What are your non-negotiables in your home when it comes to this? How are you serving the Lord as a family? What do you do together? I am in one of our CLGs and one of the members said, you know, for me, you know, I had to give direction to my family and everybody had to join the CLG because we have to grow together. We have to study God's word together. Make a declaration. The second thing that I want to propose is set the expectation. Set the expectation. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, Joshua set this expectation for the Israelites. And really, he was hopeful that they would also join him in keeping to that great quote. He expected that this would be brought into real life. It would become a reality. The Bible tells us that it's impossible for us to please God without faith. What I see here with Joshua is faith. And faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Or faith can also be defined as a strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. In Genesis 5, 6, and 7, we see the story of Noah and him building the ark. Now, he was building the ark for the animals and for his family. He prepared for something that he had never seen because there hadn't been a flood before. Now, they didn't know what it would be like, but Noah and his household believed the word of the Lord and obeyed him. In Hebrews 11, 7, it's recorded of Noah that by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. His faith, Noah's faith, saved his family. What a way to engage as a family. That you as a leader in a family, as a man, as a mom, as a firstborn, you can have faith for the family. That your faith can lead to the salvation of your family members. Seeing or looking at another household, we see a story in the book of Acts chapter 16. I will read very fast. Once, chapter 16 from verse 16 to 34. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews 
and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs and lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. The crowd joined, sorry, about verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31 says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he, uh, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. This is a man who was simply doing his work. And because he knows the power and the person that Paul and Silas believe in, when this amazing thing happens, he's like, guys, what do I need to do to be saved? And Paul and Silas respond to them, believe in the Lord you will be saved, you and your household. See how salvation through one man in a family brings salvation in the entire family. Believe for your family. Be saved, you and your family. Lead the way. Set the expectation. When people look up to you as a father, as a mother, when look People look up to you as their big brother, big sister. What faith are they seeing? Can they find salvation through you? The third thing that I want to propose today is start with self. It starts with me. It starts with you. Then that way it moves and goes into your family. Joshua said as for me and my house we will serve the Lord as for me he didn't say my family will serve the Lord he didn't say the Israelites will serve the Lord he said as for me and my house you may have heard of David's mighty men or David's giant killers now these mighty men of David were a group of David's 
military warriors who were credited with heroic feats. You can read that uh, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23 from verse 8 through 11. Let me just briefly read. Uh, it says, verse 8, These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb Bashebeth, a Takemonite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Wow. Wow. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdamin for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Verse 11. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Wow. Giant killers. Warriors who stood and put up a battle for their king, for their country, for their household. Says in First Chronicles 11.20, says, Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the thirty, and he wielded his spear against three hundred men and killed them and won a name beside the three. A warrior wielding his spear against 300 men and he killed them. Verse 22 says, And Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzil, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes of Moab. Now, these are men who are members of David's army when he was king. Now, let me remind you who David was or who David is. We find David's story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can read the entire story in that chapter. But let me pick, um, you know, I'll see where I can pick. But a summary, David was the last son of Jesse and he was a shepherd who used to watch over his father's flock while his elder brothers went out for war. Now, one day, his father sends David to go and check up on his brothers, and he finds the Israelites drawing lines for battle against the Philistines. Whenever the Israelites saw the giant champion of the Philistines, the person called Goliath, they fled in fear when he spew in defiance. Verse 25 says, Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now, I don't know whether um, David was inspired by what would be given to him. But he went forth and decided, I'm going into this war on behalf of my people, on behalf of the Israelites. Now, David's brother Eliab wasn't very happy with David for him being at the battlefield. But David was determined to put a fight on behalf of the Israelites. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. Now, word got to King Saul that a young boy, a young man, was out and wanted to face the giant on behalf of the Israelites. And he's invited uh, by King Saul. And David presents his CV. And under experience, he says that uh, he had struck a lion and a bear when they came to attack uh, the flock when he's shepherding uh, his father's flock. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. From verse 38, uh, we see the story how it turns out. Uh, David um, is given uh, Saul's tunic, the coat uh, that was full of armor. But David said, no, I will not wear this because I'm not used to it. At this time, the Philistines were putting up and getting ready for war. And they met at the battlefield. We see in verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David was a giant killer. Maybe... That is to help us understand how he had giant killers in his army. The kind of men that he had attracted into his army were probably also attracted because of who he was. They had learned how he had killed the giant Goliath when he was a young man. You see, your home, your family, your children, your leaders, your employees take after you. I have seen families where they have a line of doctors because a parent was a doctor. I've seen families grow business empires because a member of the family 
was a business person. I've seen families join the Levites line by producing priests. And of course, you've seen many politicians thrive because their parents were or are politicians. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you're doing dirty business, what makes you think that things in your family will be clean? If you're stealing from people in the many ways possible, what makes you think that someone else in your family won't start stealing in the same ways? If you're abusive, disrespectful, vulgar, a drunkard, a liar, and so on and so forth, what makes you think that these are not the things that you are grooming in your family? Gabriel Tad, writing in the field of communication and influence, says, before being endowed with reason, we are above all belief and desire. No one begins with knowing or by knowing. Everyone is born and lives in a world made up of acts of faith made repeatedly. Reason comes afterwards. A man from Chicago was once giving his testimony. And this is a man who loved the Lord and was serving him in many ways. However, this man had a problem with alcohol drinking. And one day he had that thirst for that fine wine and he checked in his house bar and what he wanted wasn't there. So he decided to take a walk to the liquor store um, a few blocks away from his house. So he put on his boots, his coat and his cap and stepped out of the house. Midway of his journey to the liquor store, he realized that there was someone who was following him. He turned and he saw his five-year-old who had his boots on, his coat on, and his cap on. And he was following after the father. So the dad uh, turned and said, Hey, buddy, what are you doing? And the son responded and said, Daddy, I'm only walking on your footsteps. In his testimony, this man says that that was the end of that journey to the liquor store and the end of his drinking problem. Who we are, what we do, what we say is definitely going to influence our families. People growing with us and after us will most likely become like us. Who are you? Would you love your children to be like you? Would you want your spouse to be like you? Would you want your parents to be like you? Would you want your boss to be like you? Would you want your employees to be like you? Would you like your pastors to be like you? Would you like your congregations to be like you, pastors? As we close, the book of Joshua is a big illustration of our Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. It's a story of our Joshua who is taking us to the promised land. The one who wants us to make such a commitment, a commitment to say, as for me and my house, we will 
serve the Lord. Thriving and succeeding in all aspects of life is good, but can be an eternal fatality if established on other foundations other than Jesus. Yes, investing, parenting, business and career growth are important, but none of this will matter for eternity if you're not serving the Lord. Do you lead your family to God every day? Do you have family devotions? Do you encourage your children or spouse to engage with your church? Or have you drifted from fellowship instead of ensuring that your household is in fellowship? Are you engaged as a family in our community life groups? Are you engaged in the men's fellowship as a man that is giving direction? As a woman, are you in the women's uh, fellowship? As a young person, are you engaged in the, the youth ministry? As a child, are you engaged in Sunday school? And as a parent, are you taking responsibility, the spiritual sp responsibility for your family? I want to propose to you today, make a declaration, set the expectation, and start with yourself. And say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And the things that we can learn from the book of Joshua and from your word. The Lord, you want to use us. You desire to use us for our families in our families. Father, there's someone out there who is saying, I do not understand what you're saying because I don't even know the Lord. I can, how do I serve him if I do not know him? And you're saying, I want to know this Lord today. I want to make this commitment to follow him. And say this prayer, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me a new creation. Maybe you're there, you are a father, you are a man, and you haven't given direction to your family. You're there, you are the mom. You're the first child, you're the elder daughter, elder sister, elder son, and you haven't given direction. You can start it today. You can ask for his forgiveness, and you can ask, for the strength from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Only be courageous. You can do it. So may the Lord walk with you and enable you to make a declaration, set the expectation, and start with you.